What am I? What is the relationship between my mind and my body? The mind-body problem is an age-older problem. One of the questions you ask yourself, are your thoughts, feelings, perceptions, sensations, and which thing that happen in addition to all the physical process in your brain? Or are they as themselves just some of those physical processes? And what about gut feeling, instant? How we can anticipate uncertainty and predict situations before it happens? Do we understand why that happened to us? So when it comes to design robots or soft robots, one of the questions we can ask, should the brain and the body evolve at the same time? Should it be designed in a supervised way or open-ended way as we have in our nature? What kind of design we should aspire for? Optimal or adaptable? One of the questions we can ask, how do these robots can function at open-ended environment and anticipate the uncertainty? What if there's damage happening to the brain or the body? How they can adapt to each other in this scenario like that? What we are still lacking in designing robots to achieve the embodied intelligence? In this series, we are going to interview researchers from interdisciplinary field to answer these questions and trying to understand what are the missing pieces so that we can achieve embodied intelligence. And what kind of tools or series we need to develop for solving the dilemma of mind-body problem. First of all, we would like to say thank you for Professor Fumia Lida for initiating the International Workshop in Embodied Intelligence, as well as this podcast series idea as a part of the workshop. It was the first time in our field to have such a great event to stitch all the leading researchers and ask the basic questions and what could be the direction for achieving the embodied intelligence. I hope you enjoy listening to this series, and here's the interview. Thank you. Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. Hello, Professor Yasuo. Thank you for this intelligence podcast series. Such an honor to have you. So, thank you. Thank you. I would like to ask you first. It's my honor, too. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. So I'd like to ask you first how you would like to define yourself for people maybe first time listening to you. How, how you would like to define yourself? Well, um, I'm I'm a researcher uh, 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 investigating the origin of intelligence, mm. uh, and uh, uh, so uh, throughout my career, I, I I've been trying to understand what is intelligence, what is mind, and how. Uh, intelligence or mind emerge uh, out of you know uh, almost you know nothing you know like a, a physical system so naturally um, I got into the the idea of embodiment because the physical body uh, should be the base of our intelligence or the mind and also um, uh, um, uh, development, where you know, uh, of naturally we should look at the the beginning, 
of uh, how intelligence or mind uh, emerge and uh, develop. So, mm. so um, I, I've been working on um, <clears throat> uh, using robotics uh, methods to investigate uh, what it means to have a body and uh, like what kind of uh, patterns uh, are formed by the effect of uh, the body, uh, mm -hmm. physical property of the body, and how it uh, uh, affects the information structure that is um, acquired through interaction with the environment and fed to the neural system. Mm -hmm. And uh, also how um, uh, the body, so the body, we, we understand now that the body provides, potentially provides uh, a wide variety of possibilities of pattern formation, uh, structuring of information. Mm -hmm. But of course, uh, you have to drive the body for things to happen. And uh, so uh, I investigated uh, what is the right, right way to drive the body because if you uh, drive the body in a fixed way, like a, a, with a fixed control law. I mean, the body will just uh, follow that. Mm -hmm. So there will be uh, no interesting, you know, emerging patterns. So uh, we ended up uh, adopting a chaos system uh, that drives the body in, in various ways. And then uh, we observe various interesting motor patterns emerging from that. And then uh, we proceeded to integrate this, uh, various things we, we have known about the embodiment into a baby model. Mm -hmm. So human baby model uh, and even uh, human fetus model uh with the body uh the environment which is a uterus and the nervous system uh to see how they interact each other uh give rise to various uh dynamic patterns and information structures and how they are acquired to the nervous systems to form the the basis for uh human cognition yeah. So, you know, that's, you know, what I've been doing. That's wonderful. You have brought a lot of interesting questions. So first the question is about what is actually in embodied intelligence do you think is necessary, for example? Do you think we have to evolve the body and brain at the same time? Or maybe because when we look to the nature, sometimes we have creatures, they have only their body and they exhibit intelligence through the bodies. So do you think it is necessarily when we design the robots? to make sure that the body and brain evolve simultaneously at the same time, or maybe we can do one of them. Do you think, what do you, what do you thought about that, the relationship here? I think that the, uh, the right answer uh, would yeah. be, of course we, we need both. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should have uh, sort of proper, proper, maybe properly designed uh, body and the nervous system for anything meaningful to happen. However, as a, a research strategy, uh, 
what we've done is, you know, because if we if we start uh, looking at both the nervous system and the body in the uh, in a which is a really complex system, uh, uh, maybe uh, we cannot um, uh, gain a lot of knowledge from that uh, because it's too complex to start with. So. As a strategy, what we did is to first look at the body itself, uh, get rid of the nervous system entirely. So look at the physical body system and investigate uh, what kind of property it has. And so then uh, we know that the body uh, actually has a very interesting um, uh, role in uh, helping dynamic patterns to form, like a, a, a various uh, motor uh, patterns, you know, move, movements. And uh, also uh, through that, uh, for example, if you apply some uh, information theoretic analysis, you can actually observe that uh, 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 there's uh, some you know, flow, flow, of, flow of information through the, the body is happening. Uh, so these kind of things uh, you can do. And then based on th that knowledge, uh, we sort of uh, gradually add in uh, simple neural system and uh, couple with the body and then see uh, what happens. And so th this is a research strategy, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. Let me ask you what thing you think still may be missing when we design the robots. For example, when we look to embodied intelligence, do you think the, the way we design the morphology, the way we design the sensing, the actuation, these things are something you're missing and we have to, if we want to achieve, for example, software robotics, embodied intelligence, do you think that something have to be integrated in the design of the robot itself, intrinsic? features, not externally. How do you see the design process if we want to design in what it robot? I think that that's still a big mystery. Mm. So um, one thing we know as a lesson from the past is that uh, you should be very, very careful when you impose some design um, uh, parameters into uh, the, the target system. Uh, so it's like, how do I say, um, simply like if you program a, uh, robot controller, or if you, uh, design a robot me mechanical systems for a particular functionality, then naturally, uh, the system only does that particular function, serves that function, right? Mm -hmm. So um here we are interested in a more uh, uh flexible adaptive system and uh, particularly uh i think uh the the most uh the, the point of uh looking at soft robotics is that you know uh you can uh fully exploit the vast possibility uh, vast potential uh this uh, you know uh the system can exhibit like um 
it, it can uh, serve various uh, uh, patterns uh, interactions with the world and uh, <clears throat> so so one trivial answer i mean one uninteresting answer with that that we should not design should not hmm. design the system but that this is not the answer because then we, we can't do we cannot do anything so then uh another ultimate answer would be uh, uh let's resort to the the evolution evolutional process uh this uh is somewhat reason uh uh reasonable because uh uh this way i think uh, you can uh, make sure that the neural and body coupling is always consistent and and uh, consistent with the interaction with the environment and gradually uh maintaining this consistency and then uh uh make let the system uh evolve to uh serve better the purpose mm -hmm. yeah i'm curious to but, yeah, yeah sure go ahead go ahead yeah well you want to continue, or, yeah. but i i have some doubt about <laughs> so even with the uh existing uh evolutionary algorithms and evolutionary methodologies uh you have to define a uh evaluation function and which means you, you have to impose a particular uh uh purpose and uh define it in you know like um value function i mean reward function um now if you do that uh you usually have to specify a rather details of uh you know movement or you know um uh, or a, any uh, criteria of the performance and things like that mm -hmm. this is like getting like imposing more and more design yeah. into the functionality or, or, or the behavior of the system and uh, so we should i think we should look at uh, uh, some ways to to not doing that and uh, how we can raise the system to capture the sense of the interaction with the, the environment and then evolve into a uh, sort of a meaningful uh, mm. system. And uh, there, again, we, we come back to the issue that then what is the right design uh, yeah. to start with? So, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm curious to ask you in that case when we mentioned design, should we go for supervised uh, evolution, like to evolve the body and brain, or open-ended, like what we have in, in nature, really? Because when we look to nature, we don't have the optimum. We don't have to have the optimum. Maybe the adaptation. So how how do you figure out the approach when you design the robot that if I have to consider morphology or have to consider the brain in the case? uh in in supervised way or an open-ended way and how that's affecting computation to reach the goal of adaptation or maybe optimality i don't know how you see that comparison between supervised and open-ended uh, evolution for body and brain um are you asking which is which 
I, which yeah, for you, do which you one I support or yeah, which one you support? Or do you think it could be for robotics? It could be visible when you consider the especially in soft robotics morphology is so significant sometimes. How yeah, which approach do you think more significant for designing robotics? We have to go supervised one or open ended. Of course, I, I believe in and I support an open-ended approach. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, because my uh, belief, um, I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the opti optimization and optimized design has been the paradigm for the last century, mm -hmm. 20th century. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think the engineering knows uh, more or less how to do that. Uh, but now the issue is uh, how we can deal with uh, like unexpected situations, um, <coughs> completely novel uh, needs or situations and things or, you know, and uh, uh, how we can come up with a system that does not break down in uh, such unexpected situations and still do reasonable things. So in, in a way uh, we, we need a really, really uh, res resilient system and a very uh, flexible adaptive system on, uh, which can do the, this adaptation autonomously. Um, for this kind of thing, I think uh, uh, supervised or uh, uh, typical optimization methodology uh, are not appropriate because these approaches will uh, completely limit the uh, search space for the for the learning or evolving system. So that means the system uh, only experiences what is necessary. Uh, to uh, achieve the, the uh, optimal, optimal performance defined in that particular time, uh, in that particular situation. So <clears throat> uh, rather, I think it is important for the system to accumulate experiences in a wide range of wide variety of situations and uh, use that as a, these experiences as a basis to quickly adapt to a immediate situation which is not necessarily uh, within the repertoire of past experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a good point. So maybe I'm about the challenges in your lab you're trying to, still so challenging for you, challenging and yeah, the technological blocks may be, because you work also in neurobotics. So what could be maybe still a key challenge for you in the research you do in both your group? Uh, one uh, key challenge right now for us is the emotional system. Mm. So we are very interested in the emotional system and uh, in a particular peculiar, particular way, like uh, we are actually trying to uh, build a model of the internal organs. Uh, mainly currently focusing on the cardiovascular system, 
because uh, there are a certain amount of knowledge on these physiological system and then how they interact with the nervous system. So, and uh, so we are building a model of the lung, heart, and the uh, uh, circulation you know, of the blood and uh, CO2 uh, uh, level and things like that, and how they affect the the brain stem, and then how how it interacts with the cortex and how it affects cognition. So, you know, emotional system is a total system involving these, you know, internal organs and their nervous systems acting together uh, to form a global states. And uh, I believe that this is really necessary to address. So this is another aspect of embod uh, embodied cognition. Mm -hmm. uh, different from uh, bodily movement, but a uh, very large uh, factor of embodied uh, intelligence or mind. Mm -hmm. And also it's related to soft robotics because uh, we are interested in um, the intestinal walls, the, you know, the tube. <laughs> not done yet, but uh, uh, we want to work on that. And when it comes to that, that uh, completely soft robotics and how it interacts with the, the you know, food and um, uh, how, uh, how it uh, reflects the sort of a mental state and how the incoming information uh, affects the activity of internal organs and then how it feeds back through sensory pathway to the cortex. Like, okay. um, you know, so like the somatic marker hypothesis mm -hmm. uh, by the massive. Um, uh, so we are very interested because we think uh, the nervous system only cannot uh, handle the uh the the behavior of you know the intelligence or the mind uh like humans do so yeah yeah i'm curious to ask you that in this regard what do you think is something maybe we don't focus on when we look to robotics community or soft robotics community when it comes to embodied intelligence what's something you think we don't really focus on something you think we have to pay attention to that, but we don't. We don't do yet. Did you have any kind of thought? This is missing, and we don't answer that yet. Or maybe you have to focus in that more direction. No. Um, well, if I know one thing, um, uh, coupling with a large-scale nervous system mm. is one thing we should uh, actually look at and uh, further understand like the brain we have billions of um, you know dozens of billions or more of uh, uh, or trillion uh, uh, neurons and sort of somehow they they interact with the body and so when you 
set up the system with a, a very large scale of neural system coupled with a very high dimension, dimensional high degrees of freedom body, um, what will happen? So we still don't see um, really concrete um, experiments, you know, addressing this question. So, so far, uh, most of the neural body coupling um, uh, models are like a, like a you know, typical CTG or, you know, others are uh, always like a not so large scale issues mm -hmm. and uh, with a uh, rather low degrees of freedom body coupled with uh, low dimensional nervous system. But mm -hmm. I'm interested in what happens if we scale up to the like a uh, million times more and things like that. So <clears throat> I'm curious about this kind of scaling when you try to understand the brain and the uh, structure or architecture for neural nerve, for example. How do you see this kind of if we try to increase the computation power as a brain? So we go for more more layer, for example, at the first yeah, maybe the first intuitive example, more more header layers. But when it comes to brain, how we can ab abstract that with less computation power? Have you ever imagined how we can um, close this trade-off between the architecture of this structure and achieving computation efficiently with less a uh, huge amount of like hidden layers or uh, structure? How we can get this abstraction from the brain to the machine or to the brain of the robot, for example? Sure, that's a uh, uh, very reasonable um, argument. And uh, uh, I think always uh, researchers do that. And uh, always that's the goal or one goal of uh, uh, approach, particularly uh, for engineering values. Um, um, I think you can do it uh, in a meaningful way once you know what, what it is you're looking at, right? What is, what to focus on. Uh, here, what we are facing is like, uh, on one hand, uh, soft robotics, where nobody really understands um, um, the, what, what functionality we can achieve with, for example, the soft body, um, what are the control laws and things like that. Uh, on the other hand, if you look at the brain, uh, you, as you know, it's an extremely complex system. And it depends on how you look at the, the brain. Uh, you can abstract into uh, infinitely many ways, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I think now, uh, so that's why I say uh, we should explore uh, really what happens if you couple these two systems and uh, uh, what kind of interesting phenomena or, or what's the meaning of having uh, so high degrees of freedom on both systems and what happens if you couple them together. Mm -hmm. uh, so first you, you should look at you know, what happens and then, then gradually we know what, what new novel uh, aspects we can focus on. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Since we are close to the end, and I have a question for you about mm -hmm. what you're trying to do. There's something about when we see as are we human, we don't understand how our brain works. We don't understand, we are so complicated and we don't understand ourselves. But some example like gut feeling, for example, 
this common sense, this consciousness, how we can translate that in a, in a feasible way in robotics or we don't understand how this happened. For example, I, th I think a feeling is so interesting for other human. We have all the right situation or yeah, the triggers or everything, but our gut feeling say that is not right. Also, we have the right scenario and everything, but how that could be translated in robotics? Do you think this is something well, that's, interesting? That's exactly what we are interested in. <laughs> so, well, so that's why we are working on emotional system and uh, trying to build the internal organs uh, coupled with the nervous system. So un understanding gut feeling, you mm -hmm. know. So uh, uh, that means that uh, I don't have any answer yet. Mm. But you, never, <laughs> you, know, so thought about, you never thought about that, how it happened for human at least? Is it something natural? I'm thinking, yeah. Huh? I'm thinking. So. But but uh, it's a still a mystery. So, you know, um, the three well, possible possible well, one possible scenario is, I mean, it's natural that you uh, to think this way. So you, the, we um, get some inputs like uh, from perception or from memory or whatever, and uh, the brain is uh, working on that. And but that's that information is sort of um, outsourced mm. to the body in part. So while uh, uh, we're uh, handling the information, uh, that part of it is fed to the, the internal organs or all or, or muscle activities. And then uh, the response from our body, uh, from various sensory uh, systems, feedback and then through this process some some kind of processing is done <laughs> and that is a, a different pathway of information processing than the, the cortical pathway and uh, that feeds i think additional um source of information uh which is never possible with uh nervous neural computation only so, so that's something happening behind the gut feeling, I believe. Mm. But I don't know why it's sometimes useful, uh, why it can be meaningful. Uh, so uh, I really feel that we, we should do some constructive uh, research. I mean, build the model, do experiments, see what happens. That's very interesting. Yeah. So since we're close then, the first question is about, in your work, do you have any kind of scenario for the model you develop or try to understand or explanation? And we're trying to deploy it in robotics, for example, or maybe it was counterintuitive, that was surprising. By logic, you expected that it have to work in a certain way or that what expected result from the models you try to do, but a real world was surprising. This is surprising. I was just counterintuitive result to what I thought about. Do you have any kind of scenario like that? Scenario in the past? Yeah, maybe in, in your work, currently in the past, something was counterintuitive or surprising. You didn't expect this result. This is something is really counterintuitive, surprising to what you understand. Mm. 
um, was not so I mean, su surpri not surprising, but disappointing thing was the uh, when we uh, did experiments uh, on uh, our baby model, baby simulation. So what we expected was that, you know, so we had uh, uh, nervous system, the body and the environment and the learning system. So, uh, so we, once we kick start the system, maybe we, uh, we uh, expected, uh, so we expected to observe some continuous evolution of various motor behaviors and the uh, development of the nervous system. However, uh, we saw only very limited patterns. So it does learn and it does exhibit various mo uh, motor patterns, but they were sort of, uh, they quickly come to the sort of uh, interesting um, steady state. Mm -hmm. I mean, so it doesn't, develop autonomously uh, in an open-ended uh, manner. So, so that's one another reason why we, we want, are started to work on the emotional system because probably emotional system can provide a driving signal for you know further and further explore uh, uh, in the learning. So um, that was one big. Uh, disappointment I experienced <laughs> recently. So, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, may I ask you what's your aspiration about embodied intelligence for robotics? What do you when you think about your optimum goal or your vision about that? What I imagine to be in robotics when it comes to embodied intelligence. What's your aspiration as a researcher in that case? Um. You mean you're talking about the, the like a goal or something? Yeah, goals or aspiration. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really, uh, my dream <laughs> is like uh, uh, well, uh, it's very simple. Uh, to be able to construct a robot that is that autonomously learns to become almost like a human child, at least. So, um. That will be the ultimate goal. So, yeah, yeah. Once we can do that, we we can say that we now uh, understand uh, almost enough about you know mm -hmm. uh, intelligence and emergence and development and embodiment, all these issues. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. And uh, what could be the most important quality you have gained? And you were what you're doing. The most important quality you have gained and you have to maintain. Quality as most important. Quality, quality, quality. Like, yeah, like resilience, persistence. Oh, well, um, I would say adaptivity. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> modern, you know. So I, I, I said I, I don't. Uh, uh, submit to the you know uh, optimization so I don't like optimization uh, uh, and I, I will support open-ended uh, development and things like that so so the, the 
the most important uh, quality of the adaptation or or um, combined with the emergence. So, you know, the capability to cope with the open-ended situation. That's the most important thing. That's a very good answer. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, do you think maybe ego is important for you when it comes to ideas? Your ego is important for you? My ego? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, but I, I don't completely understand your question. The ego is like, I have my ideas great. And when some people try to attack your ideas, just yeah, maybe there's something we the yeah in academia we are so competitive and sometimes there's a battle that yeah it's, uh -huh. it's, not, it's not secret that sometimes people in academia say we have ego we must have ego because just we believe in our ideas and it takes to live it to be i have a lot of ego and some people don't want to have ego i don't know for you how it comes to when you discuss your ideas do you think you have to have this kind of the ego that yeah oh yeah um i think it's I, I'm not sure if uh, this is exactly what you mean by ego, but uh, um, it is really important to have your own vision mm. about the like the target system. I mean, the this intelligence or uh, embodiment or whatever. So uh, because the the target system i mean the the target of your research uh here uh uh is extremely complex things so it depends on how you look at the system mm -hmm. you know uh what kind of um picture you can draw so yeah. uh you should have your own viewpoint and the sort of your uh uh framework yeah. and to to address issues, uh, the target. So, mm. in short, you, you you should have your position. That's that's very important. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. And lastly, what was the best advice uh, was given to you, and was a life changing? The best advice was given to you. To me, um, mm. well, um, <clears throat> when I was a student, my advisor told me so. Uh, at that time, I was working on a um, action recognition understanding system. Uh, now, at that time, like thirty more than thirty years ago, it was a really extremely challenging task because you know at that time, uh, understanding a simple drawing, I mean line picture of a cube or something, uh, by computer, is, I mean, was the state of the art. So. And then there, I, I was working on, you know, uh, 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 understanding human behavior from movie and motion yeah. picture. So, but Marvaza told me, uh, I mean, you should be able to do that. Why can't can can so why can a can't uh, you know a computer do? Be, because you know humans can do easily. So. <laughs> Humans yeah. can do these things uh, so easily. There, there should be some way to realize it on a computer. And uh, yeah, I found some way to do that. So yeah. this kind of optimistic um, way and the, that the 
seeing that there should be some principle um, that you can extract uh, the essence of the phenomena uh, and implement on, on artificial system. Uh, I think it's to believe in this is very important, I think. That's really good advice. Thanks so much for sharing that, Professor Yasuo. I don't know if you have Thanks. any final. I don't know if you have any final words you'd like to say for the people listening to you. Do you have any final thoughts or final words you would like to say in this series? Do you have any final words? Oh, I, I'm excited. Uh, you know, when I saw the program, all, all the uh, very uh, nice, uh, of course, famous <laughs> presenters and uh, uh, old friends. Uh, all there so and uh the content will be so exciting mm -hmm. so i'm really looking forward to to hearing uh other presentations Wonderful. and uh, participating in the discussions thank you thank you it was really inspiring and thank you so much for sharing your work and yeah it's really a pleasure to have you thank you once again for the time thank, thank you, you.